Whew, I don't know about you guys, but that music was awesome. Thank you guys for blessing us. Ooh. Thank you. All right. How are you guys doing? Well, if you haven't met us, never mind. I was going to say a joke. No, 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 no. I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Kimberly. And we are here to start a new series tonight uh, called Relationship Refresh. Does anybody need a refresh in their relationships? Okay. All right, honey, it's just you and I. We Sweet. need refreshing because okay. it's hot up here. And we've argued all week long, so um, this should be fun. Um, just to liven it up real quick, we are going to try something. Um, we um, make sure that your spouse or significant other is in within hitting distance of you. So is, are you guys ready? We're going to ask some questions just to start us off tonight. We're going to ask some questions, and then you're going to either, I'm going to ask you yes or no, and you're going to respond in correspondence to what answer you think is the proper one. Are we good? Be bold, but be smart. Be All right. Bold. Remember, be bold, but be wise, gentlemen. <laughs> be wise. Okay. So here's the first question. Is a girl more attractive if she orders a steak on the first date instead of a salad? Okay. I didn't say steak. It's either yes or no. Yeah, I'm just joking. Who says steak? Yeah. Steak, sa- who says salad? All right. Who says it doesn't matter? Does no, no matter? It all costs. All right, here we go. If your, wi- <laughs> if your wife or girlfriend loves the outfit that isn't flattering, should you tell her yes or no? Yes. Who's got the yeses? Absolutely. Josh Dalton, Josh Dalton. How many no's? Okay, absolutely not. There's some wise men in the room. All right. Next. And just so you know, my in-laws are in here, so that's a weird question, but whatever. We're going to all be free here. <laughs> this should be fun. Um, does a healthier sex life lead to the, uh, the husband cleaning the house? Does a healthier sex life lead to the husband cleaning the house? Yes or no? No. So I kind of think it's, it's the other way around. If he cleans the house, it leads to a healthier sex life. It's not foreplay, it's chore play. Oh, no. <laughs> it's chore play. She didn't. There's chore nothing, play, really? There's nothing sexier than a man doing dishes. Nothing oh, sexier. Oh, my goodness. So if there's kids in the room, I'm sorry for parents who are going to have to explain that our one. Our own kids are in the room. Yes. Great. Perfect. I'm glad we're laughing. <laughs> hey, this goes up online, too. Um, is an hour of quality time, next question, is an hour of quality time something she likes better than a dozen roses? Who, do I hear yes? Yes. Do I hear no's? Wow. Dudes, and you guys are spending cash on roses. <laughs> quality time. It doesn't, you can't just make up roses just so you know those were fun we just wanted to open up and have a little fun and obviously you can tell that this series is about relationships and there's a lot of fun with relationships but there's also kind of a downsize because relationships are powerful we've talked about that for a few weeks we're going to tell you up front this is kind of about romantic relationships but the principles we're going to talk about tonight they apply to any relationship that you're in whether it's a co-worker whether it's a family member whether it's a friend these principles apply to anything because you know what life it life matters it matters less about what you're doing than who you're doing it with life is less about what you're doing it's more about who you're doing life with so as we go through here I want you to think about think about the community that you have or have not surrounded yourself with because who you hang out with and who you journey life with it matters not just for teenagers but for all of us it matters because while relationships are an unbelievable gift he's an unbelievable gift they are also extremely complex I am extremely complex gift complex just so you and the reason they're difficult the reason they're difficult is because a relationship has two sinners in it not just one, two sinners. 
And when relationships, no matter what kind, they start going on the, the downslope or on, uh, going south, is usually when one sinner starts focusing on the other sinner and thinks, wow, they're worse off than me. They're a bigger sinner than I am. And we start focusing and we start putting all of our, our energy and our time towards all of their issues and sins. Instead of looking in the mirror and dealing with our own junk, our own mess, our own issues, our own sin. Because it's way easier to focus on their stuff. And that's what, that's what happens in relationships. It's when one sinner focuses on the other sinner's stuff instead of focusing on our stuff. The biggest problem with every relationship is not that it's just a whole bunch of unhealthy people, that some of us are unhealthy. The biggest problem is that all of us are unholy. All of us are unholy. We are broken people. And that's why relationships are so complex is because you've got two sinners, two broken people trying to figure things out. And it is definitely hard. It is definitely imperfect people make relationships hard. So those of you who are walking around being like, well, if they could just be a little more like me, a little more perfect. You've got some control issues. But we'll address that later. We'll address that later. So there's a couple different groups represented in the room that I can pretty much say that are here. Um, you might be married and thinking, you know what, my marriage is great. You know, we, we, uh, we put in the hard work and, and we're excited for you. We're excited that your marriage is good. Um, and you're like, I already know all this relationship stuff. I know, I know that you know, we have to work hard and all that kind of stuff. Um, but did you ask your spouse how it's going? Be brave. We're, we're excited that you guys are in a, on a great path. And, uh, but it's not time to coast. It's time to work and continue to work. Because if you have a good marriage, you've worked. If you've had great relationships, you've worked for those. And the only thing that I know when you coast is when you're going downhill. Let me say that again. When we decide to coast in relationships, things go downhill. Some of you are here, um, you're not in a good place in your marriage. Um, in fact, if, you, if I sat down with you and, and you would say, it's over, I'm done. This series would have been great about a year ago, but you know what? I'm not in the space to have a good marriage right now. But we know that God is a big God. We know that? Amen. Yes, church, or no church? Amen. Yes, church. We know that God is a good, and he specializes in resurrections. He specializes in breathing life into dead things. He specializes in breathing life into dead things. Amen. So what if we say, it doesn't look good, but I'm willing to see what God is going to say to me in this series. I'm going to be open and I'm going to apply the scriptures through this series to help Jesus in me work in me so that I can maybe see my relationships grow. Some of you are single. That's the other kind of group that are in here. And you go, I love being signal. 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 Fine. They're sending, single people send out signals. <laughs> That's where I was going. Um, some people love being signal. See, I can't even say it. Single. <laughs> Single, single. Singlets are never good to Singlets wear. Singlets are not good. Um, and that's exactly where you want to be. And you're like, you know what? I'm fine. I can wake up when I want. I'm not, I don't have to figure out how to take people on dates. I don't have to figure all that out. I, I'm, I'm just good. And that's exactly where you need to be. And I'm happy for you. And, but these, these principles will help you. And others of you um, just want to get married. You wake up every morning. You're like, oh, dear Jesus, can I have somebody today? Can someone just show up at the office? Can someone just walk into my car? Can someone do something so I can just get married? That's called carjacking, honey. Oh, that's a little rough. We are all in different places. We all are in different parts of our relationships and we are all, we're single, we're married, some not married happy, some married happy, but this series is for everybody. So pay attention. If the ultimate goal is for you to have a healthy relationship and a marriage, 
then why? Let's just, let's just dig into this. The why of it is let's just dig into it and let's look into the dynamics of how relationships work and function. There's a lot at stake here. When we go into the bookstore, and we're going, and you can go into different sections. I love bookstores. I love libraries. Yes. And there's does. a whole thing on relationships, and most of the titles that jump out are how to find the perfect guy, how to uh, be, find Mr. Perfect. Um, how to, you know, uh, be Mr. Mrs. in the, you know, next 90 days. There's all kinds of things about relationships. Because that's what we desire. We desire that connection. But the primary focus of Scripture is not about the other person. The primary focus of most Scripture is about us. So we're going to focus on us. Because it's more important to be the right person than to find the right person. Let me say that one more time. It is more important to be the right person than it is to, f to find the right person. But we put so much effort on finding the Mr. Right. In fact, I was just talking to a guy out in the hallway. I said, you know, you Christian guys, you're just weird. It's like you, uh, I didn't grow up a Christian. And so I was like, you know, you guys like, it's like trying to buy a car with your girlfriend checklist. They gotta have this, they gotta have this. I was like, we're not cars. We're way more complex maybe cost more money. Uh, lots. Depends lots, on your perspective. <laughs> lots. I'm a Volvo, honey. Um, just so you know, so, you know, we, we spend so much time on trying to find Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect that we're not really focusing on the important person, which is us and what we're supposed to be working on. So if you're sitting here looking across the way at some cute guy or girl and being like, oh, I hope they're listening to this because they need it. Or you're next to your spouse and you're thinking, oh, don't elbow them because I'm watching. Don't elbow them and be like, are you listening? Because they're talking to you. I want you to stop that right now because I'm telling you, I'm talking to you. Tonight, I'm talking to you. Because again, it's not about the other person, although we really, really like to make it that way. Because who can you control? Yourself. And ladies, we try this one. We try. We try controlling big nah. time. And we can only control ourselves. Agreed. Well said. Well put. <laughs> Let's uh, take our Bibles out. And we're going to read um, Genesis 2.18. I'll give you a second to get to there. If you're reading it, it'll be up on the screens. Genesis 2.18. It's the first book of the Bible. If you're new around the Bible, literally, it's right up to the table of contents. And a if you pages. went to Awana's, you should be able to sing the song, Genesis Exodus. Everybody got it? Just me. Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So what is, what is, the, what is the scripture talking about right here? Is it saying that it's not good to be single? Is that what it's saying? No, that's not what we're talking about here. The biblical word for this means lacking connection with another person, lacking connection with another person. Adam at this point doesn't have the capacity. He's talking about Adam as the beginning of the Bible and the creation, and Adam doesn't have the capacity to love or to be loved. It's not saying it's not good to be single. Adam is alone because he's the only dude on the planet. Bad news. That's, that's, that's what he's talking about here, is that he's the only one on the planet. And this is important because we live in a culture that continues to isolate. Isolate people, we live uh, isolated lives, and we do not know, because we live such isolated lives, we don't know to have, how to have an intimate connection with another human or with each other in relationships. And then we think oh, you know what? I'm just going to get into a romantic relationship and that will clear up everything. How many have stepped in that hole? When Brian and I first started dating, um, he started talking marriage within six months of, of dating. And I obviously was definitely not in that spot. 
um, although he was a lot more put together than I was. The easiest thing was because uh, I was lonely and I had just stepped out of all my college friendships. I was waiting to go into the Air Force. I didn't have a lot of friends that were hanging out with me at the time. The, the easiest thing would have been to just jump right into that. I mean, he was adorable. He's easy to love. He actually was one of my first boyfriends that had a car. Um, <laughs> right. That tells you I've been in a lot of bad relationships. So, um, you know, the easiest thing would have been to just go ahead and get married right away. But I knew, I knew that just to fill that void, it only lasts for a short time. That I had to become the, the right person for him. That I had to figure out who I was in Jesus first. In order to love him well and be loved well, I had to figure out who I was in Jesus first. And that took a lot of hard work because I was a hot mess, people. I was a hot mess. You're a hot, hot mess. <laughs> oh. Our children are in here. Sorry. And some of you, you guys can relate to this. We just keep trying to fill the void with different kinds of relationships because they're new and they're exciting. And that's why some of you woke up today with someone in your bed, whether you're married or not, and your bed was full, but your heart was still really empty. Because we really try to fill that void with other people. And, and we, we know that that's not what's going what's gonna to help. Our bed is occupied, but our soul is empty. And a lot of times we feel even worse. When you look across the bed, you're like, what? I know, me, 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 I know some of you guys have been there. This is not about shame or guilt. This is about, that's why we, we long for that intimate connection. So marriage and dating, and if, they, they don't fill the void, no matter how hard we try. If we don't deal with the underlining issues that cause us to struggle with intimacy, then it's never going to just fix itself. Connection doesn't happen naturally, normally, in this little bubble. Connection is something that you grow into. But we try to shortcut, we try to take shortcuts. We try to we jump into bed or we jump into relationships or we jump into the next thing, the new thing, because we want to shortcut it. Because we're just look, looking for that next fix of love. Because relationships are just as strong as a drug. They can be just as strong as a drug. We're gonna go back to Genesis 2.18, the second part. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, suitable for him. Amen. A helper. Some of you guys are thinking, a helper. That's so cute. Adam needed a helper. Because, you know, he can't get himself organized or a calendar or any scheduling, so he needs a helper. No. Guys don't need another mama. Amen. They, that's not what it was about. Helper. He's in so much trouble when we're done. No, helper, helper, that word is used when God is talking about himself in the Old Testament. That is used when God is talking about himself. He's setting this up, this idea that Eve, that Eve, is, she's not going to be a servant. She's not going to be a less than. She's not going to be a junior associate. No, that doesn't work. The married guys in the room were like, ooh. Eve is going to provide what is lacking. Not what completes. That whole Jerry Maguire was super cute. She completes me. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what is lacking. Eve was a helper. What's lacking, and what's lacking is that human connection. Because verses 19 through 20, Adam, he had a big job. He had to name all the animals and all the birds and all the insects. He had a job to do. You know, guys take their jobs very seriously. He had all that stuff to do. But at the end, he still was, he was just like, but I, I'm still lonely. Because pets are great. Pets are wonderful. They're so loyal. But they're not supposed to fill the void. They're not supposed to be standing in the place of actual human connections, interactions. So let's go, let's read um, the next section of verses. I'm just going to read it off my iPad because um, I forgot my glasses. So we're just going <laughs> to read it right here. We're having and the some... words, they got smaller well, just last night. For you... 
All right, so let's read Genesis 2, 21 through 24. They'll be on the screens or you can read it in your text. So the Lord God caused the man to fall deep asleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Everybody loves verse 24. Everybody loves 24. They like to focus on the flesh part. The flesh part. Right. The sex, the sex, and the sex about being one, right? But let's look at what's really important on the words right behind that. Leaves his father and mother. Is it saying that the son has to leave his parents and never see them again? No. In fact, in the Jewish culture when this was written, um, there was an option, a very viable option for the, the, the newly couple to stay with the family. Because it was I'm a very... Moving in. Bring it on. It's got to be cheaper. All right. <laughs> but it was a very tight-knit culture in, in the Jewish culture. And so that, was, that wasn't saying that, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm disregarding my parents. I'm not disregarding my mom and my dad. Um, so that's not what it's saying. It says, supposed to leave everything behind. But what does that mean? The idea here is that it's to the point, the, um, th at this point, they've kind of had everything um, their own way. We've had our own, our own lives, our own selfish agendas. Life kind of revolves around you in this moment. And so in order to have a healthy relationship, there has to be some leaving. I have to leave my self-centeredness this should be taking notes time. I have to leave my self-centeredness. I have to leave my demand. I have to leave that I'm going to get, not to get my way, not every single time. Some of that, that's very tough for some of us. And I have to leave that all behind. I do a lot of weddings. Weddings are fun. I much prefer doing weddings more than funerals. But as we're getting to know the couple, um, there, there's this thing that happens. There's uh, invisible backpacks that they wear. You have conversations with them. Some of them have backpacks. Some fill trunks. And some fill cabooses of expectations of what the wedding and the marriage is going to be. Those are difficult. Because not every expectation is going to be met. So before you start in those relationships, you have to leave some things behind. You have to leave certain expectations in your relationships. When I married Kimberly, there was, there was some leaving that I had to do. Amen. Well, Just saying. All right. And so we divided the chores, and Kimberly's talked about this much uh, the time, is she decided that she uh, would do the laundry because she did not want to clean a toilet. And so she said, you know what, I will do the laundry and you clean the toilet. And so I'm like, done. That's awesome, because I hate laundry. I hate it. I like wearing clothes, don't like doing laundry. We like you wearing and clothes. And so, <laughs> so I assumed an assumption that she would do the laundry exactly how I wanted it done. And so when I opened up my underwear drawer and there was a pile of underwear just thrown in my drawer, falling out as I lifted it out, I was like, folded underwear? And she looked at me like I was crazy. I am not gonna fold your underwear. Right. Also, I like my shirts folded and hung in a certain way, right? So again, my assumption was that she would do the laundry the way that I wanted it done. But did it get done? No, sometimes the shirts are like half buttoned, hanging off, but they're hung up. Right? They are hung up. They you are guys hear up. that part? They are hung up. Another thing um, that is an expectation that I brought was uh, my mom. My mom's here. Uh, she always cooked, prepared meals, and we always had food on the table. And if you know anything about Kimberly, <laughs> you know anything about Kimberly, that's not her gift. That's not her gift. Amen. 
She kisses better than she cooks. Amen. So, so there we go. So I was approaching those things from a selfish point of view, a, a selfish desire of how I wanted it done. And so I had to get over that. And another thing is um, I'm, I'm a sports, I love coaching, I love watching, I love playing. If it, has a, if it has a basketball, a volleyball, a golf ball, a tennis ball, anything, I will try it or do it. And so I was playing three nights of softball, playing ba- open basketball two nights a week, and um, I loved it. And, but we didn't have kids. And I love watching sports. And so, you know, anybody watch football? They're four hours long, and now with the new timeouts and the media timeouts, it seems like they stretch even longer. And so I had to give up some of the, the time that I gave in those sports events because we had kids. And I had to value and, and change that up so that I, uh, so that I could happy. survive. <laughs> and because, Brian, I like that survive. Remember, we had three kids under three. And it was, those were, those were hard times. Uh, kids take a lot out of you. Because Brian was unselfish in that area for that time, now that our kids are grown up, we do sports as a family. We go to sports, we watch sports, we all watched the football game last night. So that's what's so fun is because Brian was unselfish with his needs and desires when our, when our, when our kids were small. Now sports is part of our family DNA. But if he would not have given up, this is my football time, no matter what you want to do, blah, 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 I, four hours and, and kid, you know, with kids under three, that, could, that feels like 15. If he would have just stuck to that, I probably would be resentful or bitter. Or I'd be dead. Or one. somebody might be dead. Or missing a limb. All of those could be true. But he, he gave, and not having cable really helped. We didn't have cable when the kids were growing up. And so that's what, that showed so much of how he valued me and the kids. And now it's part of us. Girls, if you have a relationship, a good relationship with your dad, that's great. But you go into a marriage thinking, this guy's going to do everything like my daddy. Did you just go Southern right there? Yes. Okay. Just checking. And that's not, that's unfair. Because no one can probably live up to your dad. Lincoln's going to have a heck of a time finding someone to live up to this guy. She's going to have a heck of a time. That wouldn't be fair for her to try to do. And if you have a relationship, I have a tenuous relationship with my parents. And so when I started reading the Bible and I became a Christian and the word submit kept getting thrown around, (laughs) I struggled with that word submit. Because in my family, submit meant weakness and was to be avoided at all cost. Submit, Submit to others, to him, what if he gets it wrong? But now I understand submit in the God's context, the way it is. I still struggle with it a little bit. I know that's surprising. (laughs) So when we come together, like these verses say, when we come together, there has to be some leaving. Leaving of your own desires, your own wants, your own needs. Because we love our own way. We love our own way, don't we? Mm. Yes, we do. Love our own way. So in Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Let me read that again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is not a gender-specific verse. It doesn't say women submit here or men submit there. It's, this is gender. It has nothing to do with this. It doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat in the relationship where you just do whatever because you are filling a void in your own life. It's the concept of submission, the relationship that we all want. It's not when I get what I want, but when I give what I have. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. It's not I get what I want, but when I give what I have. That is completely different perspective than some of you are approaching your relationships right now. But when I give what I have. The idea of submitting or putting someone else's needs and desires before yours 
is very counterintuitive to the way that we live. And it's the way that we've been shown. It's, it, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. I, uh, I was having a conversation right before we got married to a very wise old man. He was an accountant in the Air Force. He was a colonel. His name was Lee Stokes. He, uh, he'd been married for over 50 years. And he said, Brian, the secret to our marriage is this. I wake up every morning with the goal to outserve my wife. Not in competition, but to show her how much I love her no matter what. I've adopted that. Have I been perfect in that? Absolutely not. Have I failed? All the time. But... But we're laughing. But, but that's but that's what I've tried to do as a as a as a as a as a husband and as a dad is to really serve my wife and serve my kids no matter what because that's how I can show them that I am love and they are consistent in my life so I can show them that. And because Brian, if you know him, he is a servant in all areas of his life, and because he's modeled that to me and our kids. And to probably most of you. It, it, when you're around him, it's like you kind of want to be a better person. So, I mean, I had to kind of step on my auntie because my first thing was, I was like, I ain't getting you a sandwich. Um, I don't want to do, you know, there's, and, and so we struggle with that because what we got to go into relationships with, we go into relationships thinking, I need my needs, my wants, my desires met. Because if I don't, if I don't get those met, I won't be happy. So that's how we approach our relationships. If I don't make them the priority, then they're never gonna get met. So that's what our focus is. Because that's what makes sense, right? Because I've been a doormat in a relationship. I know that's hard to believe, but I have. So when I first started dating Brian, I had to make sure like, you better know that I'm not gonna be a doormat again. But that's not, what, that's not how Jesus did, and that's not how Brian does. Because I don't know any relationship that has achieved happiness when their main focus is on their personal agenda. When their personal happiness is the main focus. Because it's kind of interesting. Happiness is a byproduct, a byproduct. When you're pursuing things that are bigger, grander, and more noble than just your own selfish wants, desires, and needs. And the one who modeled this perfectly was Jesus. Jesus came down to this earth, and you guys know this earth isn't a nice, pretty place to be. He gave up everything. He went on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. He showed us what true submission looks like. Love gives, love submits, love prioritizes. So much that he was willing to give his life for us. And if you haven't figured it out quite yet, the idea of leaving is not just a one-time thing. The idea of leaving things and, and leaving your mom and dad and that, that idea that we're talking about in the scripture, it's not a one-time thing. You don't just say goodbye to your ego. You don't just say bye to your wants. You don't say bye to your desires. Bye to your self-centeredness and walk off and say, hmm, I'm done. I'm good. It's an almost daily thing for me. In my marriage, I have to check that because what my natural instinct is, is to get what I want or what I need. So the idea of leaving is a non-stop checking to make sure that you're serving others. The part of developing healthy relationships is understanding continual separation, continual separation from those things, our own selfish desire, our own things that, that cause us to be internal. Continue leaving from our own self-centeredness and submitting to, other, to the other person that you're in the relationship with. Let's go back to uh, 2.24. I'll read, the, read that again. In Genesis 2.24. I gotta find it. Because I didn't put it in my mind. It's right here. Oh, it's right there. That is That's why. awesome. Mm -hmm. That is why my man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, 
and they become one flesh. Now, this idea about leaving, and the second thing in the verse is, and we will be unite. I have to tell you a real quick story. Um, I was doing a wedding um, for a, uh, a guy um, that his dad was the IG of the Air Force. Um, so all these generals and MIG dogs came in, and they were, it's on the Tinker Verde Guest Ranch. And um, we got to, through the ceremony, and it was, it was intense. I mean, these dudes are all in, there's more metal on these guys' chests than I've ever seen in my life. And I'm up there with little, you know, my little Bible doing this little sermon thing. It was your second wedding, too. It was the second one, yeah. Um, and so it was windy, and they were doing a unity candle. Anybody getting married, don't do a unity candle outside. It's just not smart. And so, and so we uh, got to the end, and I said, I was about ready to say to uh, unite you in marriage. And every time I see that word, fear comes now. Because I said in front of everybody, I was like, I'm ready to ignite you in marriage. <laughs> And so whenever you, I see that word, you see me pause in like terror in my, in my eyes because um, that's ignite in marriage. I mean, that's kind of cool though. You're super cute. You thinking? And so um, the second part of that is we'll be united in marriage, not in marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be united with um, uh, the other versions of that word in the scriptures are the words that is like cleaving. I love that word cleaving. It means to adhere to be unswerving, to be unconditional, to be loyal. When Jesus quotes this passage, he uses a word that comes from the word meaning glue or adhesive. So the idea is leaving your wants and desires, and I'm going to prioritize them uh, so for the other person. Prioritize the needs and the desires for your other person. That I'm oh, hold sorry. on, sorry, I'm not sorry. And I'm committed to you and that we are stuck in this. That we are stuck. We are glued. We are in this together. Now you can go. Sorry. Now I'm all verklempt. We're, we're not sitting up here saying that we got it all together. No. We don't. We're not, we're not perfect. If you hang out with us any number of time, I mean, you'll see it up here. Uh, it, just, it doesn't take me a lot to be all in a hot mess, tornado. Um, we don't ever want to try to be perfect because we know that this is a God thing. Absolutely. We know this is bigger than us. It's a pattern. You have to get into a pattern. It has to be leave, submit, or prioritize. Unite together, all in. And then the third thing is the two became flesh. Yes, we're there, we got it, the two became flesh. Because everyone wants to focus on the good stuff. Because the two became flesh, this is the easy part, right? Like this is the natural part. We should all be great at this. You notice somebody giggled? Mm-hmm. I know who it was too. <laughs> this part shouldn't be so hard, right? But let me tell you guys, the enemy and the culture that we live in has done a good job in destroying this part in our marriages and in our life. Because they offer us everything that is counterfeit, a counterfeit intimacy. You don't even need it from your spouse anymore. That's what the world has shown you. Every magazine, if you're going through the grocery store, sometimes I want to do this with my kids when we're walking by, because every magazine, every book, every song, every video is all about this hookup over-sexualized culture that God did not design us for. It's all counterfeit. They have sold us a bill of goods, you guys that you can get it from a computer screen, that you can get it from a book or a magazine, that you don't even need another person. That makes, that makes God a liar, because then Adam would, doesn't even need Eve for a human connection. And we know a lot about God, and he's definitely not a liar. They sold us a bill, bill of goods that if you're a better lover, if you have the best technique with as many people that would take you, then that ache in your soul will go away. And I'm standing before you now saying it doesn't. It doesn't go away. In fact, a lot of times you feel worse off then. This isn't about, this isn't about, again, shame or guilt. 
This is about seeing your worth in God's eyes. And you are worth way, way more than who you're sleeping next to or how good at, at, of that you are. How cute you look in that dress or how whatever they have these girls wearing these days, I just, I don't even know. But that's what the culture has told us. That's what enemy has said. This is what you need to be like. And it's all counterfeit. It's a counterfeit intimacy. I'm going to read a scripture, but Jesus is, in the next passage I'm going to read, is going to do a direct quote right out of the Old Testament in the verse, from, from the verses that we already read in Genesis. So, um, God is to join us together, so let no one separate us. So I'm going to read Matthew 19, 5 and 6, and it says this. I really can't see. And said, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, that God has joined together, let no one separate. What is he talking about here? This word that he uses, um, meaning joined, is the translation being yoked. And I can tell you, if you've heard teachings before, you're like, oh, here we go. Here's the oxen thing, you know, here we are. Yoke is a word that means work. It doesn't mean, oh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna ease through this or we're gonna be joined together. It is a word that means work. When two oxen are yoked together, they have to learn how to work together. One can't go one way and the other one go the other way in a yoke. Is that true? It's pretty painful if you do that, isn't it? So we have to cooperate with each other. We have to work in tandem. We have to exercise together, not literally exercise together. Because I'm like, oh no. Next week. But the yoke is a team word. It's, it's, you can't just do it on yourself, by yourself in a yoke. You have to have another person holding that up. They have to learn to cooperate. They have to work in tandem. And this is a team, team word. Let me stress that again. It is a word that takes two to do in a relationship. One of the biggest myths, one of the biggest myths, if these relationships are so hard, if I could just find the right person, it wouldn't be so hard. So then we just cast it off because maybe the next one will try a little bit better. Some might be thinking in this dating relationship or in this married relationship, maybe in this friendship, it's just too much work. It's gotta be easier if I just find a different person. And Jesus is saying no. Not really, because that word yoke is a work word. One of the most important things I've learned about relationships is that it takes work. I didn't marry Brian for another two and a half years. I have no idea why he stuck around. She made me work. I mean, but it was because I had so much work to do. Two and a half years. That's how jacked up I was, you guys. That's how hard it, it is. Relationships take character work. They take scheduling work. They take physical work. They take spiritual work. In order to be a team, you have to work together. This doesn't sound very sexy. Those of you sitting here be like, I'm not ever getting married. This isn't Disney. This isn't Hollywood. This would make a very bad Valentine's card. You are definitely more work than I ever thought you would be. <laughs> I don't recommend you writing that in the bottom of your card. That's funny. Or there will be no, the two will come flesh. It won't be there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Jesus didn't say, we're going to focus, focus. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to magically fuse you guys together. So much, we, the Hollywood again has sold us a bill of goods. You're going to meet across 
the room and your eyes will meet and then the music will be really cool and start and you will just be magically together. That's Disney, guys. That's Hollywood. He did, this isn't like a magical click your heels like Dorothy. It's just going to happen that way. It takes work. It takes the, the leaving and the cleaving over and over and over again. By all odds, this should not be. This should not be. We come from two different backgrounds, from two different walks of life, from two different opposites. They say opposites attract. I'm talking we were very opposite. I was telling somebody earlier in the lobby, I tried breaking up with them three times. You guys, you can get notes on those later. I know. I have no idea because did that make him a stalker at one point? How did we not break up? It doesn't make sense. But you know what? It's because we have a big God. Amen. We have a big God who knew this is exactly what we needed. We were going to defy the odds. Not to be defiant, but to defy the odds that what God puts together, no one can tear apart. We did, we've done 21 years of submitting and leaving and cleaving and uniting and uniting. Sorry, kids. My sister, my sister asked me a couple of years ago, do you think you maybe see uh, Brian through rose-colored glasses? I said, yeah, I do. I see him through God, God glasses. And this is why. Because if I were to see Brian in my needs, my wants, my desires, it's easy to pick him apart and be critical. But I pray almost every day, God, let me see him like you do. And that's why I can sit here today and tell you that he is more beautiful. He is more beautiful than he was 21 years ago. Because he loves me so well. And not because it's easy. I am the first one to say I am not easy. I am very complex. <laughs> but I see him through God-colored glasses. And that's how big our God is. So you're sitting there. What are you going to work on this week? Maybe it's leaving things that you've been holding on to. Maybe you realize the reason you keep hitting your head up against things in your relationship is because you haven't left it. Maybe it's all about your wants, your desires, and your needs. Maybe you've made your goal and the thing you focus on the most is my own personal happiness, the number one goal in your life. Maybe you need to leave some of those behind. Right now they're popping into your head as I say it. Maybe it's I need to work on submitting, finding a new way to learn and how to serve in relationships. Maybe some of you need to work on the uniting. You might be in a spot where your relationship is hard. It, not, it may not be in a good space or a good place. You might be thinking that you... Uh, going to do a lot of hard work, but wish there was some fun in the middle. And that's hard work when you commit to working in a relationship. You might need to look at the other person in the eye and say this, and this takes a leaving of the ego and leaving of the pride. Listen, I know this is really tough right now, but I'm here. I love you. Things are rough, but we're going to pray hard, work hard, 
and we're going to give this thing the best shot we can. Maybe that's your next step. But for relationships and to God and Jesus to be glorified in our relationships, we have to serve other people. It's not about our happiness. Maybe your next step is becoming the right person, not trying to look for the right person. I told my daughter this today. Maybe Jesus is saying, don't focus on boys. Focus on who you are. Don't focus on the next cute thing that walks through, because there's a lot of cute patooties in here. <laughs> but I, the I'm, focus is on being the right person. That's what's attractive. Desperate is not attractive. Being the right person, who God wants you to be, that is. Maybe that's your next step. We do communion around here, and we'll have many, uh, two more weeks of, um, Jack's got some stuff about relationships, and. I just want you to, we take communion out here. There's tables on left and right and in the center. And I just want you, we use that in, in to celebrate and to um, remind ourselves about how Jesus died for us. He came into this imperfect world so that we could have a perfect love. And so, you know what? Just spend some time. If, sit where you're at. The band's going to play some music. And you can take communion. But just, just think about, think about your relationships and the changes that you can do in you to help them and other people in your relationships. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we are indebted to your love. We are indebted to the relationship as you stated in Genesis 2. Lord, that you created us helpers, that we can help each other in life and in relationships. And you've created that human contact. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, let us just see relationships the way that you see relationships. Lord, let us see through your eyes. Let us see our mate, our spouse, our girlfriend, our boyfriend, our fiance, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, whoever, whoever we have a relationship with. Lord, let us see them the way that you see them. Lord, thank you. 